Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. What's up? It's the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. A brief Nightcap. Going till 7.30, Monday Night Football. Tonight, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Giants. I would not anticipate this is a close game, but it's the NFL. You never know what could happen. I just learned today that you can win a game 6-1. to If you didn't know that, go look it up. It's a, it's a mind melter. 6-1. to one. I hope it happens at some point. Crazy... Crazy stuff going on in the NFL right now around the league. The Bills are 6-2, and two, and I'm not sure how great I feel about the Bills being at 6-2. and two. It's, it's a weird one because it's the rare combination of a big division lead, a, an oncoming potential division title that we've been searching for for years and decades. And it's also, how good are they? Because it's a negative point differential on the season. There are still struggles on the defensive side of the football. Josh Allen has cooled off a little bit. I haven't heard anybody bring up Allen as an MVP candidate in maybe a month. And now we're wondering about, you know, is Miami going to threaten them for the division. The Dolphins, interesting game yesterday, only had 145 yards of offense. They get past the Rams, though. They get past the Rams, just like the Bills did. Hey, the Bills won a game against the Rams. Maybe they shouldn't have. little phantom pass interference call at the end. So sometimes you win games you shouldn't. I think that happened to the Miami Dolphins yesterday. But I don't know. They, they handled the San Francisco 49ers. They went toe-to-toe with the Seahawks. They only lost to Seattle by one score. They destroyed the Jaguars just like they should. They only lost a three to the Bills. The Bills were comfortably ahead in a lot of that game. So that game is what you want to point to right now and think, yeah, the Bills are better than the Dolphins, right? But then you look at it, it's like, ah, 31-28. They were right there. They were, it would have taken a major gaffe from the Bills on an onside kick, but They were at least hanging around towards the end of that game. And then week one, they had a 10-point loss in New England. I don't remember anything about that game, but they have looked pretty darn good lately. And yesterday, when they didn't look good, they still got the result. And you need some breaks, right? So the Dolphins at a game and a half back, don't sleep on them. I wrote in the summer that I thought, the only big threat to the Bills long-term was Tua Tungavailoa. And right now, maybe the Dolphins are a threat to the Bills in spite of their rookie quarterback. It's only one game, but he didn't throw for 100 yards. He didn't look particularly sharp. And 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, who he replaced, was playing dynamite. So, if the Dolphins are a threat to the Bills, presently it's not because of Tua. But, that is a quarterback with upside. I loved him as a prospect coming in. He is accurate to a T. And yes, there will always be the wonder of, well, there won't always be, it'll be answered at some point. He had elite college-level wide receivers. And they were always open. So how hard was it to really play quarterback at Alabama? But Tua was a hot commodity even before he became the starter at Alabama. He was being talked about as, hey, Alabama finally got an NFL-caliber quarterback. Because they had never had one. It was just A.J. McCarron. That was it. Like, this guy Tua, he's going to do it. And then he had an excellent college career. And he gets drafted third overall. And, hey, he doesn't have to be great. But there is certainly potential for Tua to be great. He would absolutely rank behind Josh Allen in a blowout as, like, they are the top two quarterbacks that are most likely to rule over this division long-term. Sam Darnold is maybe on the way out with the Jets. I guess maybe if you want to throw Trevor Lawrence in this conversation, go ahead, because the Jets are on their way to potentially getting the Clemson quarterback. Uh, But nobody on New England. Cam Newton looked shot yesterday. Jarrett Stidham's got one of the worst interception ratios in recent NFL history. So it's the Bills and the Dolphins the rest of the way. And isn't that just great? It is November 2nd. New England is dead. They're done. There's no way. I'll put my name on it. There's no way that team we saw yesterday is coming back from a three and a half game deficit in the division. It's not happening. They are at three passing touchdowns on the season. They cannot throw the football. Cam Newton yesterday on simple crossing patterns that were five yards over the middle of the field are at the receiver's feet. He can run the football. He's still got some athleticism in him. But, man, New England gets behind. Come on, are they coming back in games? They take too much time to even put drives together. That was part of the reason they lost to the Bills yesterday. The Bills did not put their best game out there. But, In part, a reason they won is New England can only really have drive success by running the football. That eats up clock. So when the Bills got ahead yesterday, New England had to score on every drive to be able to come back in that football game. And they they missed on one. They fumbled the last drive. Oh, that's all it took. And now they're two and five. And I just I can't see them. There's no way that team's coming back. The roster is depleted. The quarterback looks shot. You've got veteran players who are now having surgeries and are being are putting their house up for sale. Like Stephon Gilmore might get traded by tomorrow. Reports of a fire sale before yesterday. Reports of Cam Newton potentially being benched if he continues to struggle. Benched for who? Jared Stinham is a fourth round pick from two years ago who has showed nothing. In fact, the limited game action he's got, he's looked downright awful. It's here. It has finally happened. Ding dong, the witch is dead. The Patriots are done. And it's not just, hey, Brady's gone. 
Because that was a breath of fresh air. That was a relief coming into this season. That the best quarterback of all time, he's not going to rule over you anymore. No longer. You don't have to go into a season anymore and just assume, hey, you're starting 0-2 because you got New England twice. Automatic 0-2 start to the year. you got to go 9-5 and in the rest of your games or you don't got a shot. That was the reality the Bills and their fans have been living in for 20 years. That is officially over. It's a new era. And the Bills don't have to dominate this new era, but they've put themselves in pretty good position to be the top dog in the division for at least a little bit here. Maybe the Patriots rebuild. Maybe they retool. Maybe they go for a veteran quarterback in, in the offseason. Maybe they draft a guy. Maybe they get high enough in the draft, they get Justin Fields. Or they get Trey Lance. But New England will now go back. will go into a phase that the Bills were stuck in a cycle of for 20 years. You try one quarterback, he doesn't work. All right, we're on to the next one. He doesn't work, give him three years. Okay, we're on to the next one. Next one doesn't work, two years. All right, on to the next. And that can go on and on and on and on. And Bill Belichick is the best coach of all time. So... Hey, there's a pretty good shot. Maybe there's even a great shot that he'll find a guy. If he continues to coach, by the way, he'll find a guy. He'll draft Trey Lance eighth overall out of North Dakota State, and he'll be he'll be just really good, right? He'll maybe he'll be Justin Herbert from this year. They'll draft next year's version of Justin Herbert, and they'll be back on the map. They'll be competing with the Bills. They'll be competing with the Dolphins, and we'll have you know a good little fun division to 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 play in for the next couple of years. But there's certainly plenty of opportunity and potential for them to just get stuck in the mud and not be able to find a guy. That's what happens. That's what happens when time runs out on your franchise quarterback. It happens to everybody, except the Colts. Well, I guess that's happened too. Andrew Luck decided to call it quits, but Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck thing. Um, more I want to get into today than just... The Patriots being dead. That's that's what comes with a shortened show. We could talk rest of the week about New England, their future, what this division looks like, Bills, Dolphins, which is what we are down to. But tomorrow is the NFL trade deadline. And by the time I'm on the air at 7 o'clock, we will know all that happens. Maybe nothing happens. The NFL trade deadline typically is not as active as other sports leagues, especially the NHL. But, It has gained a little steam in the last couple of years, and the Bills have a general manager that, in his span as the GM, has made many deals and has kind of been this wheeler-dealer type where he's completely willing to make a move. 2017, it did not work at all. But Brandon Bean was willing to send a third-round pick for a wide receiver to try to make the playoffs in Kelvin Benjamin. There's off-season trades, but this is this is a GM where you've at least got to account for the possibility that they could do something tomorrow. Sean McDermott today said there's nothing in the works, but Brandon and his staff always looking at it. You get the normal coach speak answer from McDermott. You didn't get it ruled anything ruled out though, right? So we've got a potential for something. I've got a list of trade candidates that I want to get to because there are a lot of guys available, potentially available, that make sense. 
for the Bills to bring in and acquire. And before I get to this list of names, I should point out that NFL is not, again, like other sports leagues where, one, it's not as active. Two, the price that it takes to get these guys typically is lower than you would think it is. Desmond King, a very good cornerback in the league, traded from the Chargers to the Titans State. He cost a sixth-round pick. That's it. Sixth-round pick. You had Quan Alexander traded from the Niners to the Saints today. Not only did he only cost a fifth-round pick, the Saints were able to trade Kiko Alonso back to the Niners in order to make Alexander's contract work. So, maybe the Bills could get one of these players I'm about to mention at a very cheap cost. I got, what, five names? Five names that I think the Bills should look at. Or I would be, you know, I'll just say it this way. I would be happy if the Bills made this move. I'll start on the defensive line. Pass rush has been a big issue for the Bills this season. They have had a problem generating a four-man rush. Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes on the outsides, they'll give you games, but a little bit inconsistent for my liking when you're trying to be one of the better defenses in football. I think it has hurt them mightily this season, and there is a pass rusher that could be on the market. Ryan Kerrigan from Washington reportedly has asked for a trade. Now I will I have to give you the other side of it. He's asked for a trade, but the reporting also says Washington has told him, we are not trading you, or they've at least said that to other teams. They've said they're not trading him. So, they have to be lying for the Bills to be able to get this guy. Or they have to overpay. You never know. Ryan Kerrigan, big sack production, final year of his contract. He is an older player at 33 years old, but we are talking about double-digit sacks. Almost every year, going back to 2014, 13 and a half sacks, 9 and a half sacks, 11, 13, 13. Last year, a down year, 5 and a half. Is he shot? This year, he shows up, 7 games played, 4 sacks, pretty good. Near the top of the league, or at least above average in the league when it comes to quarterback pressures. Ryan Kerrigan, you'd have to send something back the other way. In fact, you would have to do this maybe with any of these players that have big contracts. Ryan Kerrigan... For what? A fifth round pick and Trent Murphy? Could that get it done? Maybe you have to go a little bit higher than the fifth round pick. Today, though, as I mentioned, Kiko Alonso sent from New Orleans to San Francisco to make that trade work. Hopefully, a team like Washington would be willing to part, to take on a contract the Bills were sending in order to get the draft pick. So, Ryan Kerrigan, the first name on the list for me. Number two, I'll get to the tight end position here before we work back to defense. Zach Ertz. Tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think you can get Zach Ertz potentially at a very low price. He is having a bad season. And it's oddly come when Carson Wentz has nobody else to throw the football to. Nobody. Ertz, this year, 45 targets, only 24 receptions for 178 yards and one score. Ertz is not your prototypical big target red zone, touchdown, compiler, tight end. He is very good over the middle of the field. The Bills have Cole Beasley for that, but throw another guy that can run over the middle, Stephon Diggs, John Brown on the outside. You split those four out wide, that's a pretty good set of wide receivers for the Bills. And it doesn't hurt to have an extra pass catcher when you've had injuries to Dawson Knox. 
You've had injuries to John Brown. Having another pass catcher, Gabriel Davis, by the way, a little inconsistent maybe as a rookie. Be nice to have another good pass catcher. And Zach Ertz, I'll st- fourth round pick maybe is what I have written down here. Could you get Zach Ertz for a fourth round pick? Give it a shot. Browns tight end David Njoku. This is a cheaper option. This is also probably a much more realistic option. Njoku, like, several times has asked to be traded. The Browns have pretty much demoted him to third on the depth chart. Signed Austin Hooper in the offseason to big money. He's their number one. Harrison Bryant is a rookie tight end that has played pretty darn well for for the Browns this season. And Njoku is left to basically third-string tight end duties. He is inconsistent. He has drop issues. He's kind of similar to Dawson Knox. I'm not going to lie. But he's big. He's athletic. He's fast. He's a first-round pick from a couple of years ago. And you might be able to get him for as low as a sixth or seventh-round pick. At a price that dirt cheap, I'd be willing to take a shot at him. See if a change of scenery can get him going. And, hey, maybe throw some juice into that Bills tight end group. Back to the defensive side of the football, going a little back and forth here. This one is the most expensive option, I would imagine. Jets tight end Quinnen Williams has been the subject of some trade rumors in the coming the past couple of days and weeks. I don't think they move him. He was the third overall pick last year. So I don't think they move him, but there are there's some trade stuff out there on him. And last year, it was reported the Bills, or rumored, the Bills were interested in moving up to get Quinnen Williams. They end up getting Ed Oliver at the same position, ninth overall. But, hey, if they were interested in Quinton Williams then, maybe they would still be now. There's the obstacle of it being an in-division opponent that you'd be acquiring this player from. And it's not just, you know, a rental. You know, like if you're trading for an older veteran from New England, maybe they'd be willing to do it because they're not going to see him next year. Quinton Williams, if the Bills were to trade for him or any team, I mean, you plan on having that guy around for a long time. Second year of his rookie contract. Cap-wise, this is one of the least expensive ideas that they've got. Most expensive, though, in terms of what it would cost. I maybe even doubt a second-round pick gets it done because of just the draft status from last year. If I'm the Jets, I'm not trading him unless I get a first-round pick. So, hey, if they're if they're trying to get rid of him, then maybe they settle for a second. But I think you probably have to give a first. If I were the Bills, I would not give up a first. I would maybe do it for a second, though, given the struggles that they have had on the interior defensive line uh, so far this season. Quinn and Williams and Ed Oliver, I mean, that would be a pretty solid combo up the middle, athletic, and that's how you want to generate a four-man pass rush. You don't necessarily have to get edge rushers. That would help you go up the middle. Five and a half sacks and 17 starts uh, for Quinn and Williams, his defensive tackle. Final name on the list for me, in part because got to get you to Monday Night Football coming up in a minute here, Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver John Ross. The guy who set the world on fire with a 4-2-2-40 time. One of the fat, maybe one, I don't want to call him the fastest. Tyreek Hill's probably the fastest. He's one of the fastest players in the league. Now, not polished as a route runner. Very inconsistent hands. He's kind of a specialty player. He's a guy that's going to stretch the field. Pretty much that's it. But, I like the idea of of the Bills adding a depth wide receiver. I do. We have seen what this offense looks like when John Brown is not in the lineup. They really miss him. And I'm not saying John Ross will even give you maybe half of what John Brown can give you in terms of a complete route tree. But just to have that another option there and not have to rely on a fourth-round rookie who might be dealing with some inconsistencies as a rookie, I 
I like the idea of them adding a cheap depth wide receiver into the mix. And I think John Ross is a guy that can be had. There have been trade rumors about him going back to last season. He's not playing this year. Three games is all he's been active for in part because Cincinnati has a loaded crop of wide receivers. A.J. Green is back and getting lots of targets. He's not playing great, but he's getting lots of targets. Tyler Boyd is having a phenomenal season of wide receiver for them. T. Higgins, second-round rookie out of Clemson, is having a great rookie season. He's already approaching 500 yards receiving, and we're not even at the halfway point. They are at the halfway point. So he's on pace for just about 1,000 yards. And then you've got Auden Tate, who I like a lot as a big-bodied receiver who played a great game yesterday, had seven catches for 65 yards. That leaves John Ross without a uniform on game days. You might be able to get him for free. I mean, conditional seventh-round pick in 2024? I don't know. I think you can get John Ross almost for free. And to add a speedy receiver that could maybe help you stretch the field and just give you some depth behind the Bills receiving core in case there's injuries... I like it, especially given how much the Bills like to pass the football. All right, that is my list, my top five trade deadline targets for the Bills. Ryan Kerrigan, Zach Ertz, David Njoku, Quinnen Williams, and John Ross. I got to run. We have to get you to Monday Night Football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Giants kickoff is under an hour away. Our coverage will start next here on WGR. Thanks, everybody, for listening tonight to the Nightcap. I'll be back with you for a full show tomorrow starting at 7. This is Jody Biasi, and this is WGR.